I also know how I feel when I, you know, get off of Instagram after scrolling through random posts and other people's um, accounts for an hour. I just don't, I don't feel any better. I feel worse about myself and about my life. And so that's just like a feeling that if I can actively avoid, I will. When we talk about the well-being of young people, it's almost always about their struggles, their anxiety, their depression. But that is only part of the story. So many of the young people we know are facing their challenges head on. They're resilient, they're strong, and they're hopeful. These are the stories we tell. Young people doing amazing things in the face of adversity. I'm Jeff Konefsky. And I'm Meg Frederick. And this is the Mindful and Positive Podcast. Emma, are you ready? Uh, yes. I took my love, took it down. Welcome to another episode of the Stronger Now Season 2 podcast. Our lovely guest today is Miss Emma Delich. Emma's a senior this year. So her junior and senior years have certainly been upended. She is a phenomenal student and athlete. She works hard. She tries hard. Um, and she's, she's, she's kind of killing it. So we're going to hear Emma's story, and she's going to share with us um, a lot about what this last year has been like for her. So Emma, welcome to the Mindful and Positive Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, too. Yeah, Emma, thank you so much. Um, so this season, we're really talking about strength and growth over the pandemic and what people have learned and how they've changed um, and any new insight. But I thought since um, I know it's kind of been a struggle and we've had some chats, but I want to give you just a moment to vent. What has been what has been upsetting of the last year of living in quarantine, of having your whole life kind of really change and not being able to control it? Um, for me personally, I'm the kind of person that has always kind of relied on structure to keep me going and to keep me motivated. And the absolute destruction of structure, of, of any sort of structure a year ago, um, kind of forced me to have to take it into my own hands and create my own schedule for academics, for athletics, for um, personal health. And that has definitely been a struggle for me. Also, um, watching not only like my personal family struggle with um, some mental health issues, but friends, just seeing other friends and other people that matter a lot to me just absolutely deteriorate. That's probably been one of the hardest things for me. What have you seen? Just, just the lack of being able to have social connection, lack of structure, lack of going to school. Um, yeah, lack of structure, lack of socialization, and, um, you know, the lack of coping mechanisms that a lot of kids, um, that the lack of coping mechanisms in kids, and specifically, like, my sister has been going through it. She's um, a byproduct of what isolation and lack of socialization has done to my generation. So... How, how do you help your sister? How do you help yourself? What do you say to your friends? I mean, what's maybe start with what's been your over, you know, your overriding um, emotion in this last year and what you've done with that? Um, so throughout my life, it's not something that I really talk about or share with people, but I've, 
um, struggled with a lot of anxiety in my life. And for me, my anxiety is more about um, the future and the things that I can't control, lack of preparation. And the biggest thing that I've kind of learned and been able, that, that's helped me, is kind of understanding that worry only gives me a false sense of control. So when you're in a state where you're only thinking about the future and thinking that you're preventing something that might happen in the future, um, you're not actually helping it. You're only making it worse for yourself. And um, so sharing that with other people, because throughout the pan like this pandemic, it's not something that any of us can control. And um, just the lack of certainty for the future, being able to prepare and accept like what's to come. How do you give yourself a break from worrying about the future? Is there anything specific that you do to be able to kind of snap yourself back into this moment? Um, certain, I, I will use some of the breathing techniques um, that you guys taught us freshman year throughout the day, just kind of a reset, like a mental reset when I find that my mind is wandering off to places that it, you know, shouldn't be. Coming back to like the present moment has just helped me. So what are some other things that you do on a daily basis to try to not give yourself that false sense of hope or false sense, yeah, of control? Throughout um, throughout the last year, obviously, there's been an extreme lack of control um, over my circumstances. And it's really difficult, I think, as a second semester senior to not... Um, think about how much I wish that the pandemic pandemic wouldn't have happened and that I would have been able to enjoy um, my senior year normally. But I think that the, the best way for me to be able to stay present and, um, you know, not get upset is to have constant reminders of gratitude in my life. And if I can think of at least one thing um, that I'm grateful for, throughout the day, then I'm not able to go down the spiral of negative thoughts that, um, you know, might happen if I didn't have anything to be grateful for. So it's little things like, oh, I'm grateful that I got to see this person today, or I'm grateful that the weather was nice and I got to go on a hike, or I'm grateful that I finished this assignment and had time to watch a movie with my mom. It's just little things that keep you going throughout the day. Specifically, what what have you grieved the most maybe what what losses this year have you grieved the most specifically even if they seem mundane what has been hardest for you to sort of bear just the lack of opportunity and accessibility to people at all times and like even i know that i've done zoom meetings and zoom calls and google meets hundreds of times but even now it's just odd to me it doesn't seem natural or normal and i don't want it to ever seem natural and normal, but um, being worried when you're in a car with friends that somebody might, you know, potentially have COVID and then you could potentially bring it back to a sick grandparent or someone that's at risk, just the the added worry and added pressure um, that, the, that the pandemic has brought is, you know, pretty serious. So, I mean, you and I, have, we've talked about, um, you are a high achiever, right? And you um, really, well, you've got some good structure in your life. You're a successful athlete. You're successful at school. And I know that you and I in the past, we've talked about kind of the importance of um, just kind of giving yourself a break or, or um, realizing you, you, know, you don't have to be perfect all the time. Is that something that you've been working on and wondering how that's been going for you? 
it is something that I'm actively working on, but it's not necessarily something that's easy. I think perfectionism has been in my DNA since I was a baby. And um, I've always held myself to extremely high standards and it's not always healthy. And I acknowledge that. Um, but I think taking a step away from the public eye or like the structure and pressure from school or public sports has allowed me to, you know, do some self-reflection and just kind of figure out what is important in my life and the things that I should be pushing myself for and the things that I'm, that it's okay to take a step back and give myself a break. Um, so I think being able to self-reflect and discern between, you know, what's important and what's not has been huge for me. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Being able to, what's worth your attention and, and what's just noise. And I know we've, you know, talked about this. Um, are, do you, how are you doing with managing your social media? Um, is that something you actively like consider and pay attention to? It's kind of a weird thing that I'll do, but I'll delete Instagram and Snapchat in the morning and all day. And then at night I'll get on for 30 minutes or so. And, um, you know, go through Instagram, go through Snapchat, talk to some people, and then I'll delete it again so that I don't have it in the morning when I wake up. So I would say about like 80% of the day, I have social me media deleted, um, specifically on days that I have a lot of homework to do, or I'm on a deadline, or just, you know, kind of don't want to be accessible to people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I will give myself credit for is over the last few months, I've kind of um, transformed my social media, like my Instagram account and my Snapchat account to reflect what's important to me. So rather than seeing, you know, political, um, agendas or, you know, hateful speech or, um, posts that are making fun of people, I have kind of, you know, transformed my social media to be more inspirational. And I follow people that are, um, you know, productive people they're successful people and they kind of inspire me to be a better person versus like the the latter so you're very mindful of your technology and the usage how, how did how'd you get there um i i think that i think that watching some of my friends and my sister struggle with like phone addiction and social media addiction has kind of made me more aware of my own addiction. And I am not in any way saying that I'm perfect and that I don't, you know, have moments where I am on my phone too much or I'm not present because I'm checking Instagram. Um, but I also know how I feel when I, you know, get off of Instagram after scrolling through random posts and other people's um, accounts for an hour. I just don't, I don't, feel any better. I feel worse about myself and about my life. And so that's just like a feeling that if I can actively avoid, I will. Gosh, that's, that's brilliant. Um, what have you learned about yourself over this last year that, that let's say, I hate to say it this way, but it's the way it is. What, what has COVID taught you this year? Before COVID, I was already like an extremely independent person, but I think that, um, like we talked about earlier, the lack of structure has made me um, have an even greater amount of accountability for myself. And I think that the biggest thing that I've realized is how short and unpredictable life is and why I, and 
that I don't want to waste my time um, worrying about things that I can't control or waste like a precious moment with my family or friends when the next day, you know, they couldn't be there. I wouldn't be able to see them. Um, so just being in any other mental state that's not present is, um, you know, not healthy. And I think that it's something that I've been working on a lot. I think you've touched on this before, but like, what are your, again, what are, what are your three go-tos? Like this really is hard today, or this is, I'm, I'm finding myself spiraling. I need to do these two or three things. Um, definitely the gratitude aspect of it. Even if I don't have time to sit there and write it down in my journal, just throughout the day, finding little things that I'm grateful for and reminding myself, like actively saying it out loud or, you know, repeating it inside my head. Um, that is a mood changer completely. And also just the check-ins with myself to make sure like I'm breathing and I'm, you know, peaceful and I'm calming down. And um, there's a, the butterfly technique that we did. Whatever it was called freshman year, that has, that has been huge for me. I always, I still do that before tests or assignments or um, important assignments or whenever I feel stressed. You mentioned, you know, man, attempting to manage the mental health issues in in your family and also with friends. Um, what advice would you give to people out there who find themselves in a similar situation, uh, where you're, you know, you're getting through this the best you can, but you're just seeing, you know, your loved ones and your good friends struggle? What would you have any advice for them or any ideas? For the people who are struggling or for people who are seeing their... People who are seeing their good friends and loved ones having a really hard time. Um, something that I've kind of learned over the past couple of years is the balance between being able to help people and support people, but also maintaining your own kind of sanity, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I think if you get like obviously you want to support the people and and um help them and talk to them about their problems and give them a safe space but if you get too um pulled in to their problems it starts to weigh on you and makes your life negative and your mental health negative so i think that for those people who are watching some of their friends or loved ones struggle i think it's important for them um to be able to be there for their friends, but also maintain their own emotional and mental health. Striking that balance between taking care of yourself and taking care of others, right? Right. So you can't take care of yourself, then you know you offer very little to other people or less anyway. What's the best way that you help your sister? You mentioned that you know this has been a really difficult time for her. You're the older sister, and I think it is. It has been harder on some of the. Our younger kids, we were talking about that, you know, the junior high kids who will miss those two years of awkward, crazy junior high and this kind of thing. But I mean, what's what's the best way that you support your sister? Um, I I know what works for me and I know that um, getting outside or reading a book or having some time just to reset myself helps me. So I try to encourage her to do um some of that and I'll always invite her to go to the gym with me or to go on a hike with me or um, let her know that I'm here to talk if she ever wants to. And I think just continuously reminding her that I'm here, I love her, and we're all going through this together um, is huge for her. Well, Emma, 
You are a wonderful young lady. Thank you for sharing your insight. You're so articulate and, and driven, and you've got a lot of advice and wisdom, so we really appreciate it. Well, yes. thank you for having me. Yeah, you're you're amazing, and just keep reaching out. We'll we'll all get through this, and uh, we'll be stronger on the other side. I, I I can't wait for those days when we go back to really being close together, like we were meant to be. So yeah, thank you, Emma, and thank you to um, you guys and teachers and adults like you that have you know been there and been able to support the youth. Well, thank you for being such a huge part of the Mindfulness Club, and and you know, sharing your wisdom with people and it just, you're a big part of all of that as well. So thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. The Mindfulness and Positivity Project helps students and teachers implement evidence-based practices in the classroom that lead to long, healthy, and happy lives. Our work is made possible by the Anschutz Foundation and Gazette Charities as well as the Colorado Springs Health Foundation and some very generous local donors. And we are so grateful for your support. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, share with someone you love. And if you want to learn more about what we do at the Mindfulness and Positivity Project, go to mindfulandpositive.org. And you can always get in touch with us at mindfulandpositive at gmail.com.